Hello, everybody. Welcome to the House Divided podcast. Uh, another week in the books. Uh, pretty big week, actually. Uh, Jeremy, how are you, and how was your time at the Horseshoe? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well uh, to start off. But uh, yeah, my time at the Horseshoe is kind of like I, you know, maybe it's like visiting the proctologist when you're 40 or whatever. I, I'm <laughs> glad I went, but I don't know if I need to do that again. Uh, uh, at least for a while, I need to like wash the. It you know, we can give each other shit about our fan bases, and I think it's a pretty fun time and it's deserved. Thank God we have two schools in this state. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. insane. Even like Saturday morning, just hanging out at restaurants and just hearing what people were talking about. And I was hanging out with a buddy that was a U of M fan, and he lives in Columbus. And I just kept looking at him throughout the meal, going like. So you do this all year. You live in this all year. And he just kept saying, yep, yep, 365 days. It'll be July, and they'll be talking about Ohio State spring practice for four hours on the radio. So it's, uh, it's insane. It was, uh, the stadium inside is really cool. Uh, I definitely think the fans should visit it just for that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the company you keep is not that fun. Yeah, I could imagine. That's about exactly as I uh, pictured. I, I really am looking forward to getting down there eventually and seeing the game at the horseshoe. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just dive in then as a segue uh, straight into the Michigan State-Ohio State game. Um, it went about as we both expected it to. And, yeah. you know, with games like that, you can predict uh, – half blowout, half kind of staying in it. I guess for the first half at least they were. Uh, but it's definitely different when you're taking it all in. Um, what were your initial thoughts after the game? Uh, initial thought, it, it's always hard when you watch it in the stadium. I was kind of surprised to see uh, – well, I guess I wasn't really surprised, but I uh, was a little taken aback by the meltdown of MSU Twitter <laughs> that apparently has been going on the whole game. Because uh, I don't really know what people expected. I think that, you know, the first quarter was great to hold them to 16 yards on 16 plays. And I think our defense showed that they can play at that level. But once you get down 17 points to them and you can only pass, I, I don't know what you want the offense to do. I, it was Nick Young's a beast. <laughs> it was uh, – uh, scary to see him in person. He reminds me a lot of uh, the kid from Baylor that also used to wear the midriff oh. <laughs> that MSU had better success against. Um, but no, it's. It, I think it went about how I expected. I think, it, especially if you told me that our first four plays, we fumble it twice on our half of the field, I would have said that, yeah, we're not going to win. Um, so, yeah, it was about what I expected. I think the only difference was maybe – uh, that second quarter and how quickly Ohio State uh, uh, went up fast. But I think at the same time, you saw what the defense was doing and trying to force fumbles, and they've even come on and admitted to it that they should have just wrapped up, uh, but they were trying to make a big play and kind of got caught up in the moment, it seemed like. Yeah, and uh, I, I think you nailed it on the head with everything that you said there. You know, the fact that the first quarter was as close as it was with those early MSU mistakes, those, those fumbles, um, it was really interesting. And, you know, in the first quarter, it did kind of have that feel of just one stupid-ass Michigan State win, you know. But uh, yeah. 
uh, talent prevail, five stars prevail. And uh, this, oh, that's my number one note from this game was just Ohio State is good. Like they, they yeah, are, so they are really, so speaking really of, good. Uh, speaking of the first quarter, though, so, so with, uh, with being in the stadium, um, and they get, one of the guys that I attended the game with uh, is a former high school coach, so he was super knowledgeable and was just teaching me a lot of things throughout the game. But I was going to ask uh, for how it was brought up on TV we were kind of shocked that they never went to review on the first fumble. Was it something that they discussed on TV or was it, uh, was it a little bit more clear on TV that it definitely he had reception and then fumbled or what was, what was kind of the perspective there? Uh, if I'm going to be honest, I don't know exactly what the, uh, the TV crew was saying because the Red okay. Wings were also playing at the same time. And, right. <laughs> uh, anytime you can listen to Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond, you do. So, uh, <laughs> But it, to me, it did look like a clear fumble, so I wasn't didn't really think okay. anything of it that they didn't go to review. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. I mean, it was – Cody was running to the end of the field that we were sitting at, so from our perspective, it looked like it might have been kind of quick. Uh, but, again, it's so hard to see that live uh, compared to the experience when you were watching at home. So, uh, yeah. I mean, not that that was the difference in the game, of course, um, but just for something – I was curious as, you know, a part of attending the game is, uh, is different there. Yeah, no, and I completely understand. And, I, you know, it, there's a difference in, like, saying that would have made the difference in the game, but very similar to the uh, Michigan-Wisconsin experience a couple weeks ago, th- those little things like in the Michigan game, Ronnie Bell's catch being overturned and those little things, even though it was a blowout, it just they feel like just heavyweight blows at the time that could make a difference. So I definitely get That's what actually a really good point too. Cause I think that uh, I was actually in the bathroom, so I missed the play, but the long JK Dobbins touchdown is kind of very similar uh, to when uh, the uh, JT Taylor. broke off that long touchdown. So yep. yeah, I can definitely see that. Like there's some similarity there for sure. Uh, in, in the feeling of being on the road and just having a game kind of just get away from you in a game that maybe, in the Michigan case, I think they're, they're more evenly talented. But in MSU's case, when you're not the talented team and you're seeing those things go against you, you're just kind of trying to hold on yeah. and, uh, and keep it from getting too ugly. Yep. And um, uh, that's going to bring me to the next point, actually. So to kind of get into a positive, I thought Brian Lewerke was very good outside of a, a, a few just really bad mistakes. Um, to key in on one was the one – pass uh it was a crossing route and I don't know who it was to but he was wide open uh, he's gonna be able to dance into the end zone and the work he just missed him yeah a yards. yeah and that I, was the Cody White one and yep uh in the second quarter and and the the thing that was hard was it wasn't on tv um the thing that made that even worse was that he had Cody wide open uh and I I guess from reading some comments on Twitter it's it's an old problem of his where if he doesn't get his feet set, uh, he can kind of dance around a little too much and miss his throws. Uh, but he also had Ladarius Jefferson come out of the backfield on a wheel route, and he was wide open in the end zone at the time. So uh, I don't think Ladarius was probably – it was probably not the first read at all, but it, it, it hurt twice being there and seeing that there's two wide open guys, and we go from making it a possible four-point game to then eventually you're down – uh, 17 before you even know it. So Yeah, yeah, and that is that's really tough. But like I said, outside of those few mistakes, 
Lewerke had a really good game, and uh, he is just continuously edging closer and closer to the guy we saw at a, in his sophomore year. And, you know, obviously that may not be the number one thing I want as a Michigan fan, but just as, just as a fan of sports, it's really cool to see the guy get his footing again and start dealing again like this after the uh, frustrating year he had last year with the injuries. Uh, it's got to feel real good for him despite the loss. Uh, it, it's just really good to see, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I love it too. I think, uh, you know, it, for a non-Blue Blood, I think MSU's had a pretty long history of really being tough on quarterbacks that they should have enjoyed at the time. Um, don't let MSU fans lie to you and say that they all loved Kirk Cousins at the time. They love him now, and they loved his senior year, but he took a lot of stuff for a long time in his career. Uh, so it, it is good to see Brian, you know, like D'Antonio always preaches, uh, with his teams and where he recruits at, the level that he recruits, it, you need guys to really hit their stride senior year. Uh, so it's pretty exciting to see him uh, not only be healthy, but come back and possibly play at his sophomore year level, if not even a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, any other key thoughts for the game before we get into what it means for the, the, the rest of the season? I mean, I guess it kind of relates. Uh, we were actually texting earlier this week that we each probably have a rant to go on. <laughs> and I, ha I guess this is a good time before we move on to Wisconsin. Uh, I, my rant is kind of the theme of the show since we've been doing these, but I can't, I'm so embarrassed by the fan base every week right now. Um, so I listened to the athletic podcast that uh, uh, Chris Benini, who I used to work with at, the only callers and, and Colton uh, Pouncey from the athletic put out and it's a great podcast, but a part of their Monday feature is that they feature uh, fan phone calls, like a voicemail. Uh, yeah. And if, if you have the athletic subscription brain, go listen to these fan voice calls. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. We have fan number one who uh, apparently is a, I'm assuming he's a psychologist of a very high nature because he can tell you that, the Antonio teams have no fire in their eyes. Uh, that was why we lost to Ohio State was there Hold was on. no fire in their eyes. Hold on. Uh, can, I, can I interrupt you? What, a, <laughs> what an insane complaint of D'Antonio teams. Like, I have seen this dude take rosters that probably shouldn't have gone 9-3 and three to Rose Bowls and, like, to Big Ten championships or at least competing for them. He won a freaking game against one of the best Ohio State teams I've ever seen with, uh, oh my gosh, why? With two backup quarterbacks. The two with backup Tyler O'Connor and yeah. Damian too. But there's no fire in the eyes, Brandon. They've lost the fire in their eyes, and that's the whole problem. What a short memory football fans have. My word. Yeah. So there was that guy. And then, you know, he was probably the most ridiculous caller, to, in fairness to the other two, which if they're listening, uh, hey, welcome. We're glad to have you. Um, but uh, the, the other caller was the guy who uh, said that he just doesn't know what to watch the rest of the season now that the Big Ten title is out of the question. And I kid you not, I'm very thankful that I was listening to this in my office because if I was driving, I probably would have wrecked my car. <laughs> who yeah, the I mean, hell? That is insane. If you're not Alabama and you're not Clemson, you do not count on a championship every season. 
even if you're Ohio State. What the hell are we doing? Yeah. I, oh, the season's over? And the thing is, I would love to talk to that guy in June as he bitches and complains that he doesn't have his football to watch. Yeah. But he quits on a team in game six because they're four and two. And the, and to be honest, also, Big Ten Championship is not out of the question still. If you get Ohio State to lose a couple and you win all your games, it's it only one, still in play. It's one loss in conference. Oh, man. I, I don't even know what to say. And and that was where I just – and it's not about the short memories. I get it. D'Antonio has elevated the program. We can't always just have this thing of, like, we remember what John L. was like, let D'Antonio get away with it. No, I get it. You can have high expectations. But let's keep it reasonable on the fact that, yeah, MSU's defense is going to be pretty good. This offense was in the hundreds last year. Who in their right mind thought they were going to improve enough to pass Ohio State Michigan and Penn State with two of those games on the road that when they lose to Ohio State you now say I just don't know what I'm going to watch the rest of the season I don't know why I should you know what you shouldn't sit it out wait till basketball season and then I know you're going to be the guy that's yelling when they lose in the Champions Classic if they do I, I don't understand it one bit I I get having expectations and standards of what you expect out of your franchises but Man, that was just – I don't even understand how you become a fan and that's your, your sole expectation is that once you're not in the championship contention, you're done. Yeah, it, that is genuine insanity. I, um, I really don't even understand that mindset. And maybe it's just because I'm a Michigan fan that started watching football in 2006 – so I don't know what it's like to win a Big Ten championship. But that's perfect because but, you know yeah. what? We made fun of you guys for firing Lloyd Carr because you thought he wasn't good enough. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, just another case of MSU can make fun of Michigan for doing something, and then they go out and they spit this nonsense. Like, no. Michigan was crazy. They'd want it every single year, and they have way more money in history than us. So why are we thinking we deserve it every year? Yeah. It's insane. It, it, I, it, I lost it. You're in a league with Ohio State, and this speaks to both of our teams. You're in a league with Ohio State. You're going to have trouble competing for playoff spots on the regular. That's just a matter of fact. This team hasn't had a downward swing since the 1990s. I, I mean, it it sucks, but uh, and we'll. I'm not even sure if we'll get into the fan base talk with Michigan later because um, – <laughs> I'm not even gonna because I'm not even one rant per week. (laughs) Yeah, I know. This is just the the highs of a football program are great in any any athletic program, but it sure makes the crazies come out when they fall off even a little bit. And I know it's been more than a little bit for MSU since the days of you know going to the Rose Bowl and then the Cotton Bowl and then the playoff, but um. You know, like saying, what am I going to watch this team for after a four and two start when you just went on the road to a top three team in the country? And, you know, the final score was around where the spread was. That's just madness. I, I don't understand it at all. Yeah, I it's it's the least amount of thinking about a game uh, that there was. And they all three sounded way too sober to be saying the things they were saying. But, yeah, so, so un, unlike that fan, uh, 
we have games to look forward to still because uh, we are not those types of fans. Yes. So I guess it's time to transition to Wisconsin. Uh, I guess for, I'll kind of take it to you, see what you think here too. But when I looked at October and the three games, outside of whatever I may think of James Franklin and his in-game coaching, this was the one in October that I could see MSU winning the most just because of a matchup of I don't think they have Justin Fields who can blow us off the field. And I don't think uh, they have maybe the offensive spread capabilities of Penn State. But am I crazy to say that? I mean, you saw them wood chipper your team. So am I crazy to say Wisconsin was the best matchup for us out of uh, these three games in October? This is hilarious. You know what my first note was? I actually like MSU's chances more than Michigan's against Wisconsin. That was there we go. Game. <laughs> um, because I mean, let's look at it analytically. The way off, the way Wisconsin's offense moves, uh, they live and die with Jonathan T- Taylor. I know Jack Cohn has had a good start to the year, but if you can shut down that run game even remotely. I am very skeptical of Cohn's ability to go out there and win you a football game. And um, and I'm not even saying I think MSU is a better team than Michigan. I think they're very equal. But um, this matchup, I think, significantly favors Michigan State. Uh, just the way they play. They have probably the best run defense in the country, and you're going against the best running back in the country in Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be a fascinating matchup to watch, but I don't think they're going to – Wisconsin offensive line is going to be able to pave Michigan or Michigan State like they did to Michigan. Uh, and I don't obviously don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to go and run for 180 yards only playing two quarters. Um, that being said, like I, I, I think the 10-point spread is reasonable, but uh, I would not call you crazy for that take of that being your most winnable game in this three-game stretch. And most important uh, to the MSU point off upset brigade is that it's going to be a high of 50 degrees with winds <laughs> 18 miles an hour and a 50% chance of humidity in Madison on Saturday. I'm just saying Ohio State was way too nice of weather for that to work out Saturday, uh, which was fine for me. I was at the game. I was okay to not have to die of pneumonia out there. But, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of – it feels like if there is a game that they're going to win in October, that's surprising. Uh, at this point, Wisconsin seems the, the most likely. Uh, and if anything, you know, the win that they put on Michigan helps in MSU's case to see the tape and to know you cannot miss your gaps. You cannot be thrown off by motion before the play. You have to be locked in or else they will put it on you. Yeah. Um, my only counterpoint to the weather thing is I would agree with you if they were playing any other team in the Big Ten. That's true. Maybe going to play Wisconsin's Iowa. hands too. But, yeah, yeah, Wisconsin is Michigan State West. Uh, <laughs> just as a as my perspective, uh, so yeah. I, I really think they're both going to thrive in that. And honestly, if it's I did you say rain at all? Because if it, uh, it says it's fifty percent, so they there could be rains. I genuinely feel like that might favor Wisconsin only because I think that's true. I think Michigan State's offense is going to have a better chance going through the air than on the ground, just because, especially now, the lack of depth at the running back position after the Ladarius Jefferson transfer news, um, as well as just their general run blocking so far this year. I, I do think Brian Lewerke, if the weather is okay and it's not raining, 
does have the capability to not carve up this secondary but get his. Um, it, man, if it's if it's really wet out, that actually might benefit Wisconsin, and that is the first time I've ever said that about a Michigan State game. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it feels like you know it's hard after uh, you know a week of basically doing the autopsy on the Ohio State game uh, to feel like you can go and be Wisconsin on the road, but I, I mean this is a matchup that I don't you know I feel much better playing them. And even with a very uh, talented back and, and Jonathan Taylor, I feel so much better about playing them than like a Justin Fields who Absolutely. you can hem him in in the pocket. And he, I mean, in person, his elusiveness to get out of like a sack was amazing on Saturday night. So, uh, you know, I much more the speed. Uh, it also just feels like they're not maybe going to go up as big as they did on Michigan. So it's going to be close going into the fourth. And then you just kind of, See what breaks your way at that point. See if you get some bounces. So uh, it, it feels more uh, an MSU-type matchup here. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, man, I do not like how you're talking about Justin Fields. Should I sell my Ohio State ticket? Like, <laughs> I, I am. Well, here's the thing. You know if you sell it, that Michigan's going to end up winning, right? So I would... it's a lose-lose situation. Nah, man. I'd. I'd take any win over Ohio State I can get, Jeremy. You don't know how starving I am for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's I wouldn't That's even fair. be mad in the slightest. Um, but, yeah, let's get back on track for uh, Michigan State's game against Wisconsin this week. Um, my big key th- thing is uh, if you can maybe get a little bit of a lead, I think that's a really good opportunity to force force Wisconsin into some turnovers. You know, the, they're not usually that team that you're looking at uh, that makes a lot of mistakes. Um, but if you maybe force Jack Cohn to throw the ball a little bit more, especially with some weather, that could really end up in Wisconsin's favor, I think, uh, or in Michigan State's favor, favor rather. Uh, I, I really think that can be key. No, I agree. And I think, I think another thing that goes along with that, when you're playing on an offensive line that has the size and the ability of Wisconsin's, is that we actually uh, we need to get our run game going at least enough to control the clock a little bit more. Uh, I know I don't want to see us get out of rhythm of Brad Salem's. Uh, he's definitely improved the quickness and the pace of MSU's offense. Uh, so I don't want to see them slow it back down to like you know a, a huddle offense on every play. But uh, if you take, I saw a stat where if you take the stack adjusted out, and which basically means the second half of the Ohio State game because. That's when the work you had to just sit back there and, and take punishment. Uh, he and Collins, I want to say on like 18 rushes, averaged like six yards a carry. Uh, so that's, I mean, it was actually a better run game going against Ohio State than it looked like. Uh, a lot of that was, I think, the work he had two or three scrambles for first downs that were really important. But if they can do that against Wisconsin, but for longer and keep the game close to where they don't have to go away from that, I think that's going to be the key for MSU this week. Uh, if they have to go back to Brian throwing it 20 times and a half, that's probably a very bad sign. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm i personally, I, I'm really hoping this turns into a Michigan-Iowa type game of just time of possession, stupid, awful offensive football. But that's just <laughs> really my 
my want to be able to hate watch it. Uh, but yeah, it is October. It's time for some spooky horror shows and yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah we'll get more into that in a minute, but, uh, <laughs> my biggest thing for that MSU offense though, is that, um, and we saw it against Ohio state and we, I think we've seen it throughout the year. They are capable of putting together a few good, like really good drives every game. Um, and I, I honestly think that's all they need to do against Wisconsin. They don't need to go and kick the door down. They don't need to be putting up points every possession. They just need to be opportunistic and just have those few good drives to get the points because I, I don't see this Wisconsin offense putting up 35 on MSU like they did Michigan. Uh, so it'll be really interesting, and I, I completely think – what you talked about with it possibly being a close game going into the fourth quarter where every time of possession minute matters. I, I see that being how it's going to go. Yeah. And I think for on defense, my key is, I mean, uh, I would love to see the defense contribute with points, either it being a pick six or a fumble return, but even just forcing a turnover where you're in the Wisconsin half of the field. Um, and you set up a really short field for your offense. I think if they can do that, you know, once or twice, that'll be huge. Because I think uh, counting on us right now with where we're at, uh, you know, depth-wise and roster-wise, to consistently put together a 70- to 80-yard drive to hang with Wisconsin in a short possession or a low number of possession game, probably not ideal. So as many short fields as we can get, uh, whether it's, you know, flipping field position through punting or uh, getting getting that turnover on the Wisconsin side of the field, that's going to be uh, probably a key for the defense. I'd love to see them get aggressive on the Wisconsin side of the field and try and force that turnover because uh, kind of like a, a talking point out of the Ohio State game was trying to force the fumbles was, you know, just tackle them at some point because, you know, I, it's no guarantee against our defense that you can score if they're at the 40-yard line. So. Yep. But as far as, like, I want to see some blitzes, maybe try and, uh, you know, get a tipped interception or, like, a, one where you're about to sack him and he throws a wobbly ball, like, anything like that. I think if, if MSU can get some plays like that to happen early, uh, that'll be uh, the key for the defense, I think, this week also. Yeah, and uh, that brings me, unless you have any other points, uh, what is your key statistic for an MSU win on Saturday? Uh, key statistic. I think uh, my key is going to be if we can hold Jonathan Taylor under 120 yards. Uh, that's a big ask. <laughs> so I know that's a tough one. Uh, but if we can combine that with maybe, you know, Jack Cone scoring, throwing the ball at least 25 to 30 times, I'll feel really confident with where MSU is at. Yeah, those are both really good. And um, as we move forward to this, it's been about a month and a half of doing this show. Uh, that was also my key statistic for MSU. I, I know we don't usually ask each other for the opposite, but I was just thinking earlier today. And uh, Jonathan Taylor under 128 yards was my exact number. So that's nice. um, it, And just to bring another funny story before we get into the Michigan stuff for this week, uh, I was looking through my notes. I sat down in my political science class this week and I had a score prediction written down for when I got bored the week prior uh, for the, both the Michigan and Michigan state games. My Michigan one wasn't close at all, 
But my prediction for the Michigan State-Ohio State game was 33-10, to 10, Ohio State. I was one oh, point man. off. And, yeah, that wasn't even a prediction I remembered making. But, you know, it's cool to see it work out sometimes, you know. Yeah, there you go. We're uh, you got to be more bored in class, and then you know maybe pull up the bovada in class next time and uh, <laughs> and make it uh, make it pay out for you. Yeah, I pulled up the I I pulled up the bovada in class yesterday actually when I was bored and I went one and four. So not a great day. <laughs> yeah, maybe day. making board bets isn't always a isn't always really, a win. It wasn't all the way bored. I planned on doing it anyways, but man, I bet on the Braves to win the NL before the playoffs started, so I doubled down with that game five money line. And oh. yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Brendan, we'll we're gonna work together all year. We'll learn the hedge. The hedge <laughs> that's the move yesterday apparently because yeah, that first inning kind of lets you know pretty quick that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I was at work, and I didn't have it on or anything. I was just kind of going around doing stuff, and I hopped on Twitter for a minute and saw all the memes and went and checked the score, and I was like, oh, 8-0. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, no more need to go into my betting. You know, I've had a pretty good year so far. But, yeah, yesterday was rough. Um, speaking of rough, Michigan and Iowa played last Saturday. And <laughs> it was, you know, normally if you would be talking about a top 20 college football game and you said, man, that felt exactly like last year's Super Bowl, it would be a good thing. However, <laughs> it was not at all. That was the worst top 25 game I've ever watched in my life. Um, and I know that defense matters and, you know, defense wins championships and all that. And there was a ton of really good defense from both sides, but the score was 10 to three with 10 minutes left in the second quarter. And that was the final. That's not good. I think that's the thing there. Right? You, you watch early in the game and Michigan gets that long pass to Nico Collins and you're like, okay, this is not going to be a boring Michigan Iowa game. It may You're be like, close, okay, they'll do we're that gonna, again at some point. You know, no, uh, you would think, right? <laughs> uh, trade some punches. You know, get Nate Stanley is a pretty good quarterback. Maybe he'll get some play here. And uh, no, no, we didn't get that. I was watching. Uh, pretty much, I saw almost this entire game at a uh, place in Columbus, very hungover, uh, trying to put as many fried foods into my stomach as possible, and. It was just – it was the hangover of football games. Oh, it was yeah, sweaty. Right. It was long and slow. It just I, – so I didn't – obviously, I don't prep as much for, uh, for who Michigan plays and MSU doesn't even play Iowa this year. I didn't think the Iowa defense was good enough to do that. Are we ready to say that this, like – is this just what the U of M offense is? Is, is this what they are? I'm not ready to say that, but I'm ready to okay. say that. I'm ready to say what, that this is what Shea Patterson is. And that, that hurts because, you know, he comes in with, like, first-round draft type in the 2019 draft. Not even, like – like, people were talking about him being a one-and-done and going and being a first-rounder. Right. Uh, before his Michigan career started. So now sitting here, he has a senior year on in him, and it's going like this. Whether it's the oblique injury or not, 
it has just been a very bad season from Shea Patterson so far, about five games in. Um, and I'm not saying he is the problem. I think this is just a bad combination uh, between Gaddis and Shea. And it's very hard as an outsider to see who the fault lies on more. Or maybe it is just a 50-50 split of it's just not working. But um, I, I'm, I'm like 90% there. 90% of the way there, man. I don't know. Iowa has a solid defense, but Michigan just wasn't taking anything they were given. Um, they, they had that good first drive. Uh, to go up 10 to zero and literally outside of that drive and one drive in the fourth quarter where they just had three strikes to Nico Tariq and Donovan and then Moody misses like a 30 yard field goal that would have you know buried the game 13 to three that's like a 20 score lead in the game that we were watching um they, they had two good drives all day I'm more concerned about that than the fact that they put up 10 points. You know, a couple of years ago, Michigan had a 14-7 to game against Wisconsin. But in that game, they were still driving down the field semi-regularly and just missing some field goals. This was worse. They had two good drives. Even the first field goal they got was because of a short field, because of an Iowa turnover. You know, if Michigan has the same fumble luck uh, that they have had most of the year, they're walking out of this game three and two for sure. Um, just not a good enough, not, not a good enough day from the offense. Um, defense was absolutely fan. That's one of the best down Brown games I've ever seen at Michigan though, from the defense. Yeah. So what, what was, uh, you know, again, watching it at a bar, it's a little bit harder to, especially with, uh, you know, I'm not really a football expert. So without having a little bit of help from the announcers, hard for me to kind of spot, uh, what was working so well. So what was uh, what do you think led to that Michigan success for Don Brown in, uh, in that defense? Because they looked great. I mean, I, every play that didn't end in a sack of um, in a sack of Nate Stanley was a surprise because uh, they were in his face all day long. So what was kind of the what was so, the success there for him? So it was a combination of a couple things. He threw in a lot of different zones. Uh, I, I found out since watching the game, like I, I'm also not a football expert. So being in the stadium, I kind of get a uh, more raw look at it than I would on TV just because I never played the game. I, I try and learn as much as I can. But um, reading some stuff from Nick Baumgartner and Brian Cook uh, this week, uh, Brown threw in a couple more zone type things, but you know, it was just a mastery of knowing who to blitz when. And I got to be honest, I am shocked at the amount of sacks they got on Nate Stanley. Albeit two or three of them were definitely stuff that Stanley should have just gotten rid of the ball or gotten out of bounds or something. Um, but if Iowa has a couple NFL tackles on their, on their offensive line. So to see Quiddy pay and Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson and even Michael Dwumfor and Mike Dana getting in on the action, uh, kind of bullying them around was really, really, really good to see for the future of this team. Not even just this for the rest of this year, but moving forward because uh, I, I mean, they Stanley didn't have time all day. It, he, 
And Stanley didn't really have a great day, but I'm not sure about how many quarterbacks would have with the way that the defense played. There was a couple frustrating things like um, a third and 22 uh, conversion in their own in, from inside their own 15. Uh, with a screen pass, which everyone had to know was coming. No, no, no. That was the one where it was just a, not that one. Okay. No, it was just a good. No, they did convert a third and fifteen, which was also horrible. Yes. Okay. But the the third and twenty-two. Them, their point, their game plan all night was to get to third and long, and then to pick up the first down yep. there for a little bit. So. Yep. But um, the third and twenty-two was just absolutely agonizing because even though they had played great all day, it, you're sitting there shaking your head like, "What are they doing?" I later found out it wasn't. Uh, what I thought it was, but it looked like at the time Lavert Hill was just in man-to-man on third and 22 in like a press, um, and he gets beat over the top on a really good throw. But later uh, I found out that it was probably a blown coverage from a safety. I'm not sure if it was Metellus or Dax Hill, but um, because the way that – apparently the way Lavert kind of got outside positioning means he probably wasn't going man-to-man and the safety was supposed to cover the inside of that route. But either way, I mean, like, outside of those couple third and long plays that are just, you know, at the time, especially in a 10-3 game, just feel agonizing. It was just one of the best performances I've seen out of the Michigan defense since that stacked 2016 roster. And they had a couple of really good performances last year. Yeah, and they looked like they had a really uh, good game out of Glasgow, too. Uh, I definitely noticed him a bunch on television uh, popping up uh, all over the place. So Yeah. Um, but getting um, – so, so before we move on to the, uh, the preview this week, I did – was just listening to uh, uh, a podcast. I know it's a little bit harder to find the SP Plus numbers this year. Um, but would you – what would you guess Michigan's SP plus is right now uh, rushing the ball on offense? I don't even want to know. <laughs> um, uh, give it to me. So, so here's the thing. Like, I, I think Shea is definitely getting uh, some heat as he deserves because I don't think he's been good enough. But here's the problem for Michigan, as I see it, is the way that they've always been successful. They're in the hundreds, Brandon. They're like 105. See, but that comes back to Shea, though, because uh, you're playing 90% of your snaps out of the shotgun. The quarterback run needs to be a threat. If it is not, you are at an immediate disadvantage because of the blocking and because of the way that the running back is starting getting the ball from a stop instead of on the run. You're at an immediate disadvantage if the quarterback run isn't a threat. And outside of the one 15-yard run Shea had today and like three more during the entire season, he has not been a threat. There's no reason to look at him as an option. So that, you know, I'm not surprised at all that they're in the hundreds in SP Plus for uh, rushing because it's on him or Gaddis. But I'm mainly looking at Shea on that Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, it's... is it time to go under center? Is it time to take the read option out of it and just run some straight runs? I, you I don't know. know. But remember – Because they need to get that running preview. offense going. Yeah, remember in our season preview when I talked about how this was an option? I felt like I was just saying that at the time to say it because 
it was an op, like it was a possibility. But we're in full-on disaster mode with this Michigan offense. This is a disaster. And this was what my rant was about uh, when we were texting the other day, not about the fans, because as annoying as Michigan's fan base can be, especially on Twitter, the awful echo chamber that we have, um, it's all warranted. I know it was a win over a top 15 team. I know we covered the spread. But 10 points? Our rushing offense looks like this. Uh, we have the most talented wide receiver core in the Big Ten, if not the nation, and they're getting four targets a game. It, this is just – this is a mess, and we are in, we are in the worst-case scenario, I think, for the Michigan offense. And that sucks because I have a bad feeling that these uh, – Donovan's gone for sure. Uh, this year I think he's going to enroll in the draft um, and I'm going to say with 90% certainty Nico's going to leave too and it just feels like we're throwing this year that we have with this massively talented receiving core away and it's it's just agonizing to watch it week by week well so I have some silver lining for you you get to take it out on Lovey Smith this week yeah and just like Rutgers two weeks ago this feels like a game where you know, it can be a game for MS or for Michigan rather to work out some angst, get uh get back on the right track a little bit, be the rival. And I know they're not your rival, but Illinois thinks they're your rival. Oh, uh, you know, like talk to me, like how how do you feel going into this game? I mean, does it feel like the Rutgers game a little bit, or is it more even desperate than the pre-Rutgers game was? I'm in B-Pone, man. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it's the black pit of negative expectations. Honestly. <laughs> Thanks, um, Brian Cook again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, this Illinois game is – it's almost annoying because I know we have to watch it, and I know if any little thing get, goes wrong here, it's just going to be awful and unbearable to be on Twitter. Um, they're not going to lose because Michigan teams under Harbaugh don't lose to teams like this. And it's going to be probably a three or four touchdown game, but we're not going to learn much because even when I thought that we could learn things in a blowout when Michigan beats Rutgers 52 to zero, they come out the next week and prove that it was a facade or, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm just in a bad place with this team. My biggest highlight here was don't get revenge gamed by Brandon Peters. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You really that are in deep that's, yeah, that's You're in the pit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, so now there's also speculation for those who haven't seen it um, because of the way that Joe Melton was given media availability this week, which is not usual. And Michigan football's web, like they put on mgoblue.com, they did a feature on Joe Melton. There's now speculation that he's going to trot out against Illinois next week. Um, so I, I'm not expecting that at all, but because I, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to ride with Shea Patterson until he absolutely can't. Um, but my biggest question is how much of Joe Melton do we see? Uh, because if hopefully they're running up the score, uh, and it's also in which way do we see Joe Melton? Is it because it's 35 to zero, 42 to zero in the fourth quarter? 
or is it because the line can't protect Shea and he's hurt, or is it because Shea is having another John O'Corn game? I don't know, but I am, I'm very confident we'll see Joe Milton this week. It's just how much are we going to see of him and why. Um, but as far as Illinois, I mean, like, they are not a good football team. They're not. They're probably not going to put up much of a fight. There's not much to preview here. We're not going to learn anything. Um, hopefully, we see some improvement before they have to head into Happy Valley in a night game. But uh, yeah, uh, that's really all I have. Don't get revenge games by Brandon Peters, man. <laughs> I have to feel like if Joe Milton gets the start, that I assume by like twelve forty-five we'll have the Angelique tweet that. Uh, Shea Patterson's left school and just gone to prepare for the draft because. Oh yeah. I can't, you know, making, we made fun of that fan saying there's nothing left to play to watch. If Shea got replaced this week, I kind of feel like what's his point in sticking around campus. Oh uh, no. Yeah. He should just go get ready for the draft. But uh, I agree with you. I don't think that's, I think that is kind of reading the tea leaves maybe a little too much. I yeah. wouldn't be shocked to see them, you know, bring him out for a series. And then we find out post game that like, they scripted it that no matter what happens, third series of the game, we're going to give it to Joe. Yeah. Let him run a series or, you know, something like that. But I would be shocked to see him not ride with Shea. Yeah. And, and as what well, like, also, if we're going to ride, if we're going to ditch Shea at quarterback, which I'm not even sure I'm for right now, why not just wait till Dylan's back? Like, until Dylan McCaffrey is back because. You know, he's still, in my mind, is the quarterback of 2020. He hasn't showcased as much in the air, but, you know, with his skill running the ball, I think he's actually – he actually might be a better fit for this Gaddis offense than Shea Patterson is. Um, and I know Joe Milton's arm is exciting, but just give it the week, and then if you really want to get – if you really want to try something else at starting quarterback – Get get McCaffrey out there and see what you have at least there before you move on to Milton. Um, I guess I'll give my key statistic for this game. Uh, go get 150 yards rushing. And, and I know we were just talking about how bad the rushing attack has been. And I guess that's my, my key is get it remedied this week while you're playing Illinois, the fighting Illini. And, uh, hopefully head into happy Valley with some confidence and thinking you can go pull off a big upset. Cause most of the world's not going to pick you in that game. Yeah. I think that's a good one. I think, uh, you know, seeing some of the, the film that I've seen pile up on Twitter from like stats from MGO blog and things like that. Uh, certainly seems like Illinois is going to take bad angles and not hold edges. So you can run against them. Um, uh, if I, I just want to cheer you up a little bit. 150 doesn't seem like a big ask. Uh, last week, two Minnesota backs got over 100 yards. The two of them combined for 322 yards. Yeah, have so you seen the have you seen You're just asking Minnesota, for half. Yeah. Have you seen the Minnesota tweet about their receivers having a year? Like, I think between their top three receivers, they have like over 1,000 yards. So... You know, Minnesota's yeah. offense is probably better than Michigan's at this point. So I, I'm going to stick with 150. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's a concern if if Minnesota's rushing for 322 uh, between two guys and uh, and the Michigan team can't get to 150. 
that's a concern. So yeah, I think 150 is a perfectly fine ask because uh, you guys should also be up early and look to just salt the game away. Yep, and, and I come in complete agreement with you on that one. And don't sit your quarterback back there to get injured right before Penn State. You yeah, know, that would uh, be a bad idea. Don't, you know, get out of this week, get a win, you know, move on. I think that's what they should kind of go, the attitude this week should be. Yep. And with that, we move into our fun game we've been playing every week, uh, picking every Big Ten game against the spread. Um, for those wondering, I am 2-0. and now, oh. after another victory last week. Jeremy, are you feeling the pressure? A little bit. I, uh, Yeah, I'm going to have to see what my uh, – I'm interested to see what our percentage overall is that. We can figure that out after. But, yeah, <laughs> I uh, – uh, you know, I, I shot for the moon taking Illinois straight up, uh, not only to cover against Minnesota. And, yeah, they didn't show up. That was a terrible pick. So I deserved to lose that week. Uh, so we're uh, we're gonna try and turn it around this week. But that was a very well deserved loss last week. All right. Well, we're gonna start with uh, it's a noon game, so it came up first on the list. Actually, uh, Michigan at Illinois. Michigan is a twenty-two point favorite. Um, I'll lead off, and. I actually am picking Illinois to cover, and I think this has something to do with the black pit of negative expectations. But um, just the way that Michigan's offense looked last week, I think there may be a little bit of a looking ahead factor considering they have to head to Happy Valley for a night game next week. And I think they win by about 20, maybe 21. But I I do think Illinois is going to get the, get theirs on offense, meaning 10, 14 points. And uh, looking at Illinois' schedule, I think we may be – Michigan might be like the game left on it, which should get a good effort out of the guys, especially Brandon Peters like I talked about. So I'm, pick, I'm picking something along the lines of, you know, 28 to 10, but uh, I, I, I think they'll cover the 22. All right, so I uh, you're forcing me into the unenviable position of – rooting for Michigan to cover a spread. Uh, but I think Illinois is so bad. I, I, I don't know if you're going to be 52 to nothing like the Rutgers game, but 35 to three or, you know, even 35 to 10, it's going to be something where you get at least five touchdowns, uh, cover the spread. But it doesn't mean that you really go into Penn State with any confidence at this point, uh, unlike Rutgers where it felt like maybe they had turned some things around. Uh, so, yeah, I think at this point, uh, I'll see you guys cover, but it, you'll still come out uh, probably stuck in the pit. Yep. And that moves us, uh, speaking to a pit, um, Rutgers at Indiana. Indiana is oh. a 27.5-point favorite. I want to read <laughs> that sentence just to take it all in. The Indiana Hoosiers in a football game are a 27.5-point favorite. Uh, who who you oh. got? I I have no reason to pick Rutgers here. They got absolutely dump trucked by Maryland in the first week right after your coach got fired. So if they were going to show any fight, you figure that's the week. They showed none. Uh, so I'll take Indiana. I, I like Michael Penix. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'll take them to cover. Yeah, I'm going to take Indiana as well. Rutgers might be the worst football team we've ever seen. 
Um, Maryland is at Purdue this week. This is a tough one. Maryland is a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Purdue. I know that we have, I believe, both picked Purdue to cover the last two weeks, and we have one loss badly and uh, one, uh, one push, actually. Uh, <laughs> they actually lost by exactly 28 last week against Penn State. Um, I'm taking Purdue in this one. I figure they can't let me down that many times. And I feel like Maryland's one of those teams that is just a completely different on the road than they are at home. So I think you're letting that uh, – you're going to be in the black pit with Michigan and you're letting your second rooting interest cloud you here. Uh, Purdue's just so beat up. I, I think Maryland uh, gets a win uh, on the road here. I think just Purdue is just – they're so down at this point. They, they looked awful in this list against Penn State, even though I know Penn State is a much better team than what's coming in with Maryland. Uh, I, I'll take the Terps to, uh, to cover on the road there. All right. Boiler up. Um, all right. It is time for your turn, and I perfectly made this so you would get to lead off on this game. It is <laughs> Michigan State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a 10-and-a-half-point favorite at home. What do you got? Oh, man. It feels like I'm going to take the Badgers here, but it's not going to be because it's going to be anything like the Ohio State game. This feels like maybe something like MSU's down eight or nine points late in the game and Wisconsin puts it away on their last drive uh, to make the uh, to make it seem a little bit wider than it was uh, for the whole game. Uh, but right now, as much as I said earlier, it's, uh, you can have optimism that MSU, if they're going to win one of these three, I'm not strong enough to say it, <laughs> uh, that it's going to happen. Um, and I'm also uh, really afraid of Jonathan Taylor and after you're watching the Michigan game uh, that he put on you guys. So uh, I'll, I'll say Wisconsin does uh, – they score late to, to equal the cover. All right. Well, I'm taking Michigan State to cover the 10-and-a-half. So this is going to be a weird week where uh, – we are <laughs> we're rooting for each other. Yeah, we're rooting for each other this week. Um, I really just think that all the film that Wisconsin put on against Michigan, uh, I think D'Antonio and his team will have it covered very well. I'm still taking Wisconsin outright for my prediction. I think it's just going to be somewhere along the lines of a three to seven point victory. Um, I think it's going to be a real dumb, real dumb October Big Ten game. But, yeah, I'm taking MSU to cover. So, so far, three out of four games we have disagreed on. Here comes another one that is just a tough, tough bet. I will not be touching the, this with real dollars at all. Um, Penn State at Iowa. Penn State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Kinnick. Um, it's my turn to lead off. I have Penn State covering, and I feel awful about it because Kinnick, Iowa is so different. But I just feel like they're going to feel a little – the the Hawkeyes are going to feel a little bit defeated after the way last week went. You know, you go on the road to Michigan and only allow 10 points and still walk out with an L. That is tough. And uh, I really am starting to come around on this Penn State team just at the worst time. But uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's going to cover in a very ugly fashion. Yeah, I uh... – I think I, if you asked me earlier in the week, 
I would have probably gone with the Kinnick night feel, uh, taken Iowa, but I, you know, uh, looking at, uh, if you're on social media, of course, you've seen the letter that was sent to a uh, Penn state player that, uh, was, well, it was racist, it uh, was about disgusting. him having dreads. And you know what? I was, for all I can, like I said, I can give James Franklin some jokes about his game management. I thought his way that he handled that in his letter uh, at his press conference this week was awesome. I think the team's going to rally behind that. Uh, I think uh, this letter came at an awful time for Iowa because uh, I think it's going to get that focus in for Penn State. Um, so I think they go on the road. Uh, they don't blow Iowa out by any means, but I do think they uh, they win and cover in uh, in Iowa. Yeah, this is just setting up perfectly. Where Penn, both of us picked Penn State, so they're gonna go lose to Iowa and then beat the snot out of Michigan the week after. Um, all right, on to our last game. Uh, it's another Big Ten West, just middle of the road type of game it's nebraska at minnesota minnesota seven and a half point favorite um i'll let you go first who do you got who do you think covers so up until last week every minnesota win was a one possession win so that was the first time they ever blew the doors off anyone uh i have to feel like at some point this year Nebraska shows the potential that they got all summer talked about uh, maybe this is the week um, so I don't think they'll pull off a win over the Gophers but I think the Gophers revert back to their very close wins that they've had all season uh, and win in the three to six range uh, or even three to seven range but yeah so I'll take uh, I'll take Nebraska to cover yeah I'm going to take Nebraska to cover as well I mean the only I think you you nailed it I think the only game that Minnesota's won by multiple scores was the Illinois game. And uh, while Illinois and Nebraska had that close game a couple weeks ago, um, I I still think Nebraska is just a better football team. And I don't think they're going to get blown out uh, by the Gophers. Can't say that word. Um, You have very Minnesota with that one or Wisconsin there. It's what over for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, no, but I got Nebraska to cover as well. Um, also, I was very split on that one, so I'm agreeing with you. So we have three that we disagree on again, so we have to have a winner. Um, so Perfect. Just, just to recap, the three games that we're disagreeing on are uh, you have Michigan to cover a 22-point spread against Illinois. I have Illinois covering. Um, you have Maryland covering a three-and-a-half-point spread on the road to Purdue, and I have Purdue winning outright, but obviously covering. And then you have Wisconsin covering the ten-and-a-half against Michigan State, and I have Michigan State keeping it close. So it should be another fun week of watching a bunch of Big Ten football. Um, and it should also be a fun weekend of it's not exhibition season anymore, baby. It's time for some real college hockey. So Michigan State is on the road this weekend for a two-game series at Northern Michigan. That's the one we'll get into first, but we're also going to get into eventually. Michigan is hosting the 11th-ranked team in the country in the preseason of Clarkson over from the East Coast Conference. Um, And uh, that's also those two games are in Ann Arbor. But let's start with the Michigan State series um like i said they're on the road northern michigan 
finished second in the the West. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I have the wording right. The WCHA last year, uh, Northern Michigan finished second. They did lose three out of their four top scorers to graduation and have 16 freshmen and so well 16 underclassmen so that's freshmen or sophomores on their roster jeremy how do you feel going into this weekend uh so the you know they played last year and it was a split um you know and and that's a pretty popular pick at a early season game to just assume uh you'd have a split again um you know, but I wouldn't be shocked to see us go on the road and actually start the season out with a sweep or, or maybe get a win and a tie. Uh, like you said, a lot of a lot of turnover uh, for Northern this year under Grant Patoni. Uh, they were pretty shockingly good last year and only his second year up in Marquette. And I think he's got the recruiting going much better than uh, they've previously seen, especially with uh, Grant coming over from Minnesota and really recruiting like the upper – you know, the Northern Minnesota uh, kids quite well. But I think uh, it's going to be early in the year. They they haven't really hit their stride yet, and MSU is going to have, uh, for really the first time in Dan Cole's uh, tenure, a pretty experienced team uh, with more seniors than upperclassmen, finally. Uh, they only took in three freshmen this year after really a couple of huge classes. So uh, I think I'll take MSU to probably get a win and a tie. Uh, you know, and uh, start the season off uh, pretty confident after a good exhibition win on Monday night, uh, where they won six to one over a decent Western Ontario team. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go win a tie on the road and and feel pretty confident going into a big series next weekend. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a good result for Michigan State against a Northern Michigan team that, like we said, was a surprise last year. And uh, they're looking to keep some momentum and still compete for the WCHA this year. Um, and do you know where that game can be found for streaming uh, for any Michigan State uh, interested in watching? It will, pr- as far as I know, the only thing that it might be available on is uh, uh, maybe like if you, you have to pay to get like a WCHA.com pass. Uh, I myself will probably not be watching. I will. Uh, probably uh, do a fire tomorrow night, just throw the game on the radio uh, as I sit out by the fire. Uh, but yeah, early early season games can be pretty tough, especially when you get up to some of these small schools. Um, yep. Yeah, they don't have the greatest uh, streaming rights. It's actually not bad if you end up playing a team in the ECAC or an Ivy school because they have an ESPN Plus deal where you can watch it there. Uh, but yeah, as far as I know, I think WCHA TV has some streaming. Uh, but you have to either buy a, a season pass or something, which just I doubt you're going to end up using. So yeah. go ahead and uh, go ahead and enjoy our our nice weather Friday night, or you know throw a football game on the TV and mute it and uh, catch it via via the Spartan Sports uh, Network radio app. Uh, that's probably just about as good as you're going to get in October. Yep. Or if you have a Big Ten Plus subscription, go and oh, check out the rival. In oh, there we go. Michigan Clarkson series. Yeah, that was a segue. I'm getting better at this, huh? Uh, yeah, you are on it. Yeah. Uh, Michigan, like I said, taking on Clarkson. Both games are going to be available on ESPN. Or not ESPN Plus. You got me thinking of that. Uh, Big Ten <laughs> Plus. Big Ten Network Plus. Um, it's probably just going to be the uh, scoreboard feed, for those familiar. 
But still, it's going to be a really good opportunity to watch Michigan take on a, what's going to be probably another really good Clarkson team. Like I said, they won the ECAC last year. Uh, they're really strong up the middle. They're going to score lots of goals, but they are replacing their goalie, who was very strong last year, Jake Keeley. Um, you know, obviously they went out in the first round of the tournament last year, but still put together a really good season. Um, it should be interesting to see how Michigan responds uh, on defense to a team that looks like they're going to be able to score lots of goals. Yeah, yeah, I think a good result for Michigan this weekend is to get a split. Yeah. Uh, Clarkson, you know, is a top 15 team for a reason. Uh, it's, I think Michigan by far is going to be able to out-talent them, uh, but Clarkson is going to be really disciplined. Uh, those Ivy League teams tend to get older players, and they, uh, they know how to play a system, and they play that system well. Uh, you're not going to get them to be flustered or break down, so uh, I think it's going to be key for – for Michigan to keep the mistakes to a minimum uh, and get it down to, you know, a 3-2 type of game. And that can be maybe more in their wheelhouse for this weekend, even though they have a ton of talent to score. Uh, they probably don't want to get into a track meet, especially with the defense that uh, Michigan is putting out this year. You don't want to get into a track meet of up and down. Yeah. Uh, that's going to get out of hand pretty quickly. So uh, I think a good result for Michigan is a split. And anything better than that, uh, you know, you definitely take that. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you there, Jeremy. I think a split would be big. Obviously, in hockey, where there there are so many variables to a game, to every game, um, it depends on you know how the split comes. But I think pretty much if you get that split this weekend at home against Clarkson, you're pretty happy with with it and what it means moving forward into the Big Ten season in a couple weeks. Um, I, I'm going to probably go with the split in my prediction. I think one game will probably be a 6-4, 6-3, 7-4, 7 just stupid Clarkson really scoring a lot of goals type win. Um, and then, like you said, a 3-2 or 4-2 type Michigan win. That sounds about how it's going to go this weekend for me. Um, for those of you who don't know, I know I didn't mention at the beginning, but Michigan did win its exhibition against uh, somebody. Eight to two. Uh, I believe it was. I think you guys played Windsor. I think yeah, that was, it was Windsor. You're right, but it was an yeah. eight-two victory. Cam York scored an absolute beauty of a goal. Um, so it should be. Uh, it'll be a fun weekend though for some college hockey and some college football, and we are almost close to our season of absolute chaos where it'll be college basketball, college hockey, college football, all in every episode, and I can't wait. Yeah, it's the, it's the best time of the year here uh, for all the MSU football fans and the Michigan football fans who have now quit their seasons because you're not going to win the Big Ten. Welcome. You know, yeah. Big Ten hockey is starting. It's not even conference play yet. You can still have all the optimism in the world. You don't have to quit. Uh, if they both start out 4-2, and two, you should be really happy. So uh, we, we welcome you. We're glad that you uh, found us after you quit the football team. Uh, of your respective rooting interests. So. Yeah, we got to get that guy a WCHA.TV subscription so he can oh. be incredibly disappointed after finding out that uh, hockey, college hockey can end in a tie. So <laughs> You know what I assume? I assume since he's not watching the football game, he's, I assume he's in Marquette already. He's ah, getting yes. lubed up tonight. 
he's down at the bar and he's ready to roll. He's, I, you know, he's a lifetime fan is what I'm assuming. So, uh, he's, he's ready to rock. Yeah. Um, just to speak on one more thing before we finish the episode, just looking ahead a little bit, we already talked about this, but I just wanted to talk about it (laughs) for the listeners. Um, when we started this show, one of the things I was so excited slash nervous for how they're going to go. And I still am to be quite honest with you is the episode after Michigan and Michigan state play in any sport. Now that's not about you or, or me because we obviously are, can separate that it's sport, but it, it'll just be interesting, you know, having that dynamic of two fans talking about a game against each other, especially in a rivalry like Michigan, Michigan State. Um, so I got looking on the schedule, and I knew that the uh, football game was on November sixteenth, and the first Michigan, Michigan State hockey series also takes place on November 15th and 16th. That's going to be – so as if it wasn't nerve-wracking enough having one Michigan-Michigan State game to talk about, we're going to have three. We can only hope that it's no one gets swept, right? Uh, (laughs) That that could be hard to get the other person to show up to record. So Yeah, Yeah, that's (laughs) good. It's going to be very interesting how this unfolds because uh, there are so many different possibilities. Uh, the only thing that makes me feel better is that, you know, in November, it's, just, it's a little bit harder to get so worked up about college hockey because, you know, football still got, there's so much going on and it's still early in the season. So that's our saving grace here. But um, man, we're probably going to have to record on the Sunday after and just, have it be an hour and a half feelings talk after that whirlwind. Of- <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think because it's, it's the East Lansing game is uh, the Saturday night of the hockey series, right? Yep, yep. So it's Friday at Yoast. I'm assuming that the football game, because I'm pretty sure Fox has the rights, I'm assuming it'll be noon at the big house. And then another evening game on Saturday back at Munn over in East Lansing. So... So maybe we'll just have to try and get you to come down 96 for that game Saturday night, and then we can do a, a little live taping with cocktails uh, and, and friendship abound. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because we, we – I you know, I, if, if anyone from MGO Blog is listening, we'd love to shout you out all the time because you provide everything <laughs> so much for this show. Uh, I think if someone gets swept, uh, it's going to be a life version of the uh, when MSU and Michigan had the punt game, and MGO Blogs recap was just the picture of the sad otter, the otter drinking fireball. I think was the one. <laughs> I think that was the picture that they used. Uh, that's just going to be that in audio form. Yeah, I think that's what's going to end up happening. <laughs> yeah, if it helps anybody, I think Michigan and Michigan State are both very even in both of the sports we're talking about. I think the hockey teams are going to be similar. I really think these football teams are similar in a gross way. So I, I think the the sweep likelihood is probably not very high, but yeah, it's a, going to be a dark timeline for one of us if it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... We might have to set up a Patreon for counseling for whoever after that. Yeah. All right. And with that, uh, we'll end on a fun, fun note of counseling. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank all of you for listening. And um, we'll be back next week to recap these hockey series, recap the Michigan and Michigan State game. And uh, I believe next week, because uh, Michigan State football is on a bye, we're going to hit you with one of either Michigan or Michigan State's basketball preview as well. Um, any any parting thoughts, Jeremy? No, it should be a great weekend. Uh, it's the first, you know, I was thinking about this. This will actually be the first weekend where I have an MSU road game that I'm not also on the road. Uh, so it'll be the first time that I can actually like watch an MSU game, but then also continuously watch all the other football that's going on. So I yeah, just hope for fun. some chaos, you know, maybe some the Florida LSU game to be great or, uh, you know, something crazy to happen in the noon hour right before the MSU game, uh, you know, should be a fun Saturday just to kind of uh, uh, finally get to relax a little bit at the house around some yard work. So it's, uh, it should be a great weekend and uh, look forward to talking to you and uh, everyone uh, listening next week. Yep. All right. Thanks everybody. And have a good week.